When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's episode of Sounds Good is brought to you by the folks who make my podcasts happen, Gradient. They recently launched their full editorial website filled with tons of articles advancing identity and culture. Go check it out at gradient.is. That's gradient.is. Hey everyone, Brandon Harvey here. Welcome to the 10th episode of Sounds Good. I cannot believe that we're already 10 episodes in. This has been so much fun. Today I'm talking with author, speaker, photographer, TV personality, and general super mom, Mira Ko. Mira has done so many incredible things with her life, which recently includes starring on the Nate Berkus show on the Oprah Winfrey Network, starring regularly on Disney, and filming and producing a travel show with her amazing family of four all over the world. Mira is high energy, full of intentionality, and loves to laugh. So you're going to love this. Let's jump straight into this conversation. Mira, it's so good to have you on the show. Welcome to Sounds Good. Oh, thank you, Brandon. I am so excited to be here. I've been listening to your podcast series, and I just feel really honored. Everyone that you have had on is just such an amazing person with stories that are unbelievable. Like, I just love it. So thank you for having me. It's been super fun. I uh, I've kind of just am sitting here geeking out every time that I get to talk to somebody, and I'm like, this is like this is what I get to do. I just get to have conversations with my favorite people. And you and I <laughs> met, you and I met in North Carolina randomly. We were both speaking at this event up in the mountains yes. in the middle of nowhere. Um, and this is when I was planning on the podcast, and I met you, and I was like, we ended up like hanging out for a few days, and I was like, this girl has to be on my show. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. I just remember the crazy weather to get to that place, too. Yeah. Like, I cannot believe I, I couldn't see like the car in front of me. It was raining so bad. And I, you know, Brian, my husband, and I, we usually travel together. And it was I was by myself. And I just remember going, what did I just do? <laughs> just and we were driving for myself. like, miles and miles and miles on just these like dirt roads once we got up to the top and they were like google maps wasn't working for me like i didn't have cell service anymore and i'm like i hope i'm doing this right i know i actually ended up having to like pull over like dirt roads like you're saying everywhere and like wave 
this car down because I just could, I had no idea where I was. And I was just like, please don't let this person be a psychopath, (laughs) you know, in the Blue Ridge Mountains or wherever we were. But then (laughs) you didn't get murdered. I didn't get murdered. And now we're BFFs. And now we're here. (laughs) And just a month ago, uh, I was driving through Texas and I got to stop at your house. You made me salad and it was delicious. And I got to meet your amazing kids and your husband. Yes. Yes. My awesome husband. That was so much fun. They loved meeting you and Sammy, your wife. They loved it. And uh, that was just, that was great. I think that, um, I think that it's so cool when you can like have people that you admire and that you work with get to meet your family and like share a meal in your home. I love that kind of thing. Yeah. And that was, I mean, we had kind of talked about that when we first met because I was actually, uh, while I I was planning for this, I searched your name on my Evernote. I put every single idea that I ever have in Evernote and I found all these like pieces of advice you gave me when we first met about (laughs) family and marriage and life and adventure. And so like, it made me even more excited to talk today because I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to ask Mira for all these like pieces of advice to share with everybody. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. You're so great. Well, thank you. I just want to start off by saying that I think that you have the best name in my contact list. And before the show, I was asking you, I was like, am I saying this right? Like, cause I'm just saying it has my heart feels. Um, and you assured me that I was doing a pretty good job. Um, yeah. How is your name? So awesome. It's okay. And just so you know, you can say my name, however you want. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not one of those people that corrects everybody, but, um, no, my, so my dad is Korean and it is a, a Korean name. And what's interesting about that culture is they say their first and middle name together. So me, M-E, and then space, capital R-A, Mira, is is my first and middle name together. Um, but what my parents tell me, uh, or my dad has told me, that it is actually the Chinese character for the metaphor of silk, which means the softest, but the strongest. Mm. And so it's, it's cool. It's, I like, I've thought about that a number of times over the years as I've had to go through maybe difficult seasons and just knowing that like, I want to be strong, but I, I always like want to remain soft too and not let my heart get hard. Uh, so it's a cool name. And then Co, it like all together, Miracle, it can sound like Miracle. And uh, oh. <laughs> which is kind of fun because I feel like I've got to witness so many miracles in my life. But um, what is so funny is we have always lived in Seattle. And so we, in the last year, moved to Dallas, Texas. And they, um, you know how like in the South, there's a lot of like um, first and middle names they say together, like Molly Kate or Mary Jane or, um, so everybody calls me Mirako (laughs) 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 all the time. And I'm like, oh, you you know what? You can just totally like use my first name, but it it just doesn't like (laughs) sink in. And so it's the best. Like, hi, Mirako. Hi, Mirako. It's really, really sweet. That's cool. So. It's nice that you've got like a, a different name for a different time in your life. Like you're like yeah. in this new place, you're older, and you just, people are calling you something new. <laughs> yeah, the kids totally tease me. They're like, That's... hey, Mirako. <laughs> so. I love that. Oh, man. And I, okay, I want to talk about your kids because you have a family full of 
creative and adventurous people. Like like Blaze, yeah. your son is. Your daughter Pascaline just launched a, like a website for her own photography. Your husband yes. is just like crazy talented. Where did this all start for you? Like where did you like jump into the creative world? Oh my goodness, that's a great question. Um, I really got pulled into it honestly. Um, I, and it was really like, not so much from a beautiful, like space, but more of a place of pain. So I've, so I've published five books, right. And, uh, the first one took me 10 years to write. And that's a long time. <laughs> Thank goodness the next four didn't take that long. <laughs> but um, but the first one took 10 years because it was really like a healing journey for myself to write it. And the title of it is Beauty Restored, Finding Life and Hope After Date Rape. And it was based on my own story of how I pieced my life back together again after going through that and being date raped in college. And... Uh, and it was a pretty significant thing to go through. And uh, it and it was your classic story of just not having the support that, you know, that you so desperately need when you're in that situation and uh, going to court and losing. And then honestly, just like not having anywhere to go. My dad and I have an amazing story and he's like probably one of my biggest cheerleaders um, now, but at the time it was a real like thing of shame for him and his culture and where he came from. So I was not invited to come back home and ended up living out of my car, um, for a while in Seattle. And so I eventually, uh, hit just a really like, like really low bottom and checked myself into a psychiatric ward. And, uh, that was in California. I was flown there and, it was a, I mean, so it was a significant time in my life. And I remember feeling like I can't hit like any more of a bottom than this. And so I feel kind of bad for people who are listening because I feel like we just went deep sea diving really fast, but, uh, <laughs> I promise we'll like come up for air. Uh, so no doubt. <laughs> we, so I, I, so I went to this psychiatric ward and, and, and I this, remember when you first told me this story, this like blew my mind because you're so like bubbly and you're not what somebody would expect from like, you, like I would never expect you to say, Someone Oh, I was in a like, psychiatric ward. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I love the way you tell your story. So keep on going. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true though. It's like, I mean, I think that's like one of the miracles, right. That I've got to witness, but I, um, yeah. So I went to California and I remember standing outside of those double doors at this hospital and seeing that sign that said locked psychiatric unit and thinking to myself, like, why am I the one who is going to lock myself into this place? Like, why, why isn't that person who's hurt, not just me, but so many other women, like, why isn't he like locked up? And, uh, and so I just walked through those doors and I will never forget Brandon hearing them close behind me. And all of a sudden, feeling this unexpected sense of relief because in the reality that I can now not leave, no one could actually like come in as well. And I had just been like going through almost two years of being stalked and followed and really tormented by this person and to like finally be in this safe place where 
no one could access me that could hurt me was just um, amazing. And so, so that is really like where my, um, I think like my story starts because I really hit like the lowest low I thought I could ever, you know, reach. And I remember being on the floor. (laughs) We had like these crazy, we had like 12 hours of therapy a day. And the therapists would all meet together in the morning and just like, like discuss among themselves who was ready to tap into their anger. And they would make this master plan to antagonize you all day long and, and just pick at you in a way that would get that anger to come out. And And was that good or bad? Well, so we, none of us know that they're doing that, like, (laughs) right. And so I remember it was like just a weird day. Like I felt like they were pushing me on things and I felt like, uh, nothing was like, I felt like I wasn't making any headway. And, uh, I remember us having to do this stupid exercise at the time where we had to fill up a sandbag for everything we felt responsible for in our life. Um, and there was like 150 things I felt responsible for, but then we had to carry that sandbag all around for 24 hours. And they wanted us to physically feel the weight of carrying other people that we can't, you know, things that we can't do anything about or have control over. And so they had had this like agreement, mirror is ready, like tap into her rage. And I'm just not an angry person. And I started throwing those sandbags everywhere. (laughs) I was so mad. And sand was like everywhere as they hit the walls. And I was just losing it. And I remember um, all of a sudden, like feeling aware of my anger. And and my dad had been a very angry person when I was growing up. So I kind of think I made this commitment that I'm not ever going to be angry like that. And so I stopped and I started to cry. And I will never forget the therapist coming up to me and saying, no, 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 no. There's a time to cry. And then there's a time to let the the rage and the anger out. Because how can you forgive if you don't really tap into the the violation and the rage that's inside of you about what happened? And it was so, so powerful. And as you can imagine, at the end of it, I was so exhausted, right? Physically, emotionally. And I remember just kind of like laying, like crawled up like a baby on that floor, on that cold linoleum floor, and just kind of just making this promise that I felt like, man, if God can piece this mess back together, I like want to help women for the rest of my life feel like just know that they are worthy of everything that life has for them. They're worthy of being loved despite what they've gone through and like, I just like, that's what I want to do. And, and so, that's when you started. And that's when writing. you started writing. Okay. Yeah. So that's really where the first book came from. And, uh, and that was, um, it came out the same day Pascaline was born and Pascaline, her name means like new life. And it was the first day of spring. It was just like insane, you know, that all these things about like spring and new life and all of that was um happening at once. And so when she was about three months old, we hit the road and we did um, a two-year book tour where I was bringing like a ton of awareness, whether it was through TV or radio or speaking engagements. And then in that two year, like end of that two years, I was pregnant with Aiden, our second. And I was uh, actually in Tennessee where you're based. I was um, all the way on the other side of the U.S. And I remember feeling like 
something, something didn't feel right physically with the pregnancy. So I flew home as quick as I could. And within that week, we found out that Aiden wasn't going to make it through the pregnancy. And, and I think I hit like, I thought I had hit my lowest low before, but I think that, I think that that miscarriage was like the first thing that in my life that just was not a bad thing. It was like, like his life, no matter how short was still a good thing. And I just couldn't like figure out how to, how to process it. Right. And so I, um, spent a lot of that next year, not writing, not speaking and just spending it on the couch. And I would go into my counselor's office and I would just say like, I just don't even want to talk or process. Like I just need a place to be quiet and be sad. And so for a year and a half, I went every week and we didn't say anything. And I just felt like I had that space to just be sad. And uh, towards the end of that year, Pascaline was like two at the time and she was playing on the floor and this beautiful afternoon light came through and it illuminated her and she was just glowing. And I remember I was laying on the couch and I was like, I want to take a photo of that. (laughs) I want to learn how to capture that. And, and I had never had a camera before. I was interested in taking photography in high school, but someone told me you had to be like really good at math and I'm horrible (laughs) at fractions. And I had all these learning disabilities like all through school. So I just didn't see myself as a smart person, if that makes sense. Um, And I remember just feeling like, you know what? You I I don't know. It's like you get to this place where no matter what anybody has said, no matter how afraid you feel or how much you doubt yourself, it just doesn't matter because you need this for you more than anything else. And so I went to Costco and bought my first camera at like 30 years old. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's the way to do it at 30 years old, to go to Costco and pick up a camera. Yeah. I bought like a whole pack of 400 speed film because digital wouldn't come out for like a lot longer. And so I just thought, I'm going to teach myself how to do this. I don't care what anybody says about it anymore. And uh, that became like my kind of open door into the photography world, which I never like if you would have told me, oh, this is where photography is going to take you. I never in a million years would have like believed you because it was really just a therapeutic um, healing process for me. I think it was just like freeing to be able to like capture people's stories instead of like sharing my own story. Like I was like loving that switch in life, you know, so And it became kind of a therapeutic tool. And then it seems that you started to use that to give other people a similar experience. You started teaching people. You started, like, you take a group of people on a class to, like, Italy, like, things like that. (laughs) That is, Italy is so healing. (laughs) Yeah, just eating all the bread. You're like, this is good for my soul. Not my heart, but my soul. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, you know... Well, you know what's really crazy about that? This is totally a tangent, but Blaze and I are like highly allergic to gluten products. But whenever we are in a foreign country like Italy, we can eat as much pasta as we want and be fine. That's what <laughs> so, I've heard. So we have to like take people to Italy. It's important. Um, yeah, exactly. No, but it's been really like amazing whether it's getting to meet like moms on the Disney Junior Channel every night or it's like our confidence workshop 
we've we've had almost a thousand women come through our two day confidence workshop and over the last like eight and a half years. And it's so cool that I think confidence is what like confidence has been my life search and it's been my thing that I've like constantly been working to find more of. And I think that once you find confidence, like the camera is great because it's like a great vehicle to help women find confidence. But it's like, once you find confidence with one thing, it starts to like change the whole family and the whole atmosphere of the home. And so that's been, it's been cool to witness that for so many people. That's super evident just by getting to know your family and following along with your family on the internet like your kids are super fun uh your husband is awesome you guys do so much together like what is the secret (laughs) i don't know this is like this is i'm sure there's lots more to it but like what is the secret uh to having like such a fun family life where you guys are just like having a good time well yeah no i think like I think like the first thing, number one, that comes to mind is we've just had a great counselor for so many years. And I think that our, like Brian and I's commitment to never let our pain like run the show, because Brian comes from a past of a lot of pain as well. And I think when he and I got married, we just knew like, well, I wouldn't marry him unless we saw like a certified counselor. I was like, (laughs) I was like, we're not going to see like some pastor who does like premarital stuff. We're going to like a real counselor because we have real real baggage in our past. Um, And so, and he, and he kind of jokes now he's like, he tells people and I tell her that like, I won't stay married to her unless we keep going. (laughs) But, um, but I feel like he, that counselor has been, uh, such a great, like secret weapon for us as a couple, us as individually, and then also for our kids, you know, and, and taking them at times when we feel like we need extra help and just never letting shame have a hold in that, but just like always being of the mindset that, we like, we just need help. Like life is hard and there's pain in this life. And there's things that like are difficult to get through. And there's nothing wrong with asking someone for help to get through that. So I think that, um, so that's, a that's been a huge thing for us. And, and also like, we've also shared with our kids, um, a lot of our past, not everything, cause it's not appropriate, but a lot of our past as, as they become age appropriate. And I feel like that has also made us like real people to them, you know, like, totally. um, like dad really was nuts in college. Like, <laughs> like, and he, you know, and they feel like they can have that conversation with him because he is so transparent with them and open about it. And they know like what mom's been through and, um, and I remember I was so, okay, this is so funny. This story, Brandon, um, I was so scared to tell my kids about being in the psychiatric ward. I don't know why. I, I think that I thought that they were going to feel like mom wasn't as strong as we thought she was, or I don't know. And so I just felt like they needed to hear it from me though, because mom is, is out there speaking a lot. And I just didn't want them to hear it like 
through being in the audience or totally. an interview, right? I wanted them to hear it from me. So Brian thinks I'm being ridiculous because he's like, the kids don't care, Mira. And I'm like, no, they really do. Like, we need to be intentional. <laughs> <laughs> so so I remember like we sat down and it was like this family meeting and um and we, uh, you know, I just like started to talk to them about my past and I told them, you know, and, you know, and eventually like mom was having a really hard time. And so she checked herself into this psychiatric ward. And if you guys ever like want to ask me questions about it, you totally can. And here's some of the things that mom went through before she met your dad and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, it was so classic because, uh, Blaze raises his hand. I don't know why he raised his hand, but he was like, <laughs> well, mom, I have a question and, but I'm like kind of nervous to ask. And I'm oh. like, oh, please. You know, what I mean? I'm like, you can ask me anything, honey. Don't worry. Like, just feel free. I'm totally here for you. And he like kind of hesitates and he's like, well, I was just like wondering if we were going to still have lunch because it's kind of getting late and I'm super hungry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And that was like it. Like that was, and then Pascaline was, uh, she's a few years older than Blaze. And so she was like, so wait a minute, mom, are you telling me you were in like an Arkham Asylum? Like the Joker was, <laughs> she was like, that is so awesome. And I'm like, no, it wasn't like that kind of sight. And then she was like, oh, well, then that's like boring. Oh. And like that was it. Like they were off and playing. And Brian just looked at me and he's like, you're just funny because the kids know you today. They don't like if you were going through that now, maybe it'd be a different process as a family. But there's no shame in, in what we've gone through, Mira. There's no shame in what we've walked through. So, um, Anyways. Yeah, because it created you. It created you into who you are today, and they know absolutely. that absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they know that if Aiden hadn't been a part of our life, like I don't know that I would have ever picked up a camera. Like that's what's so crazy. To, I probably would have just gone on writing and speaking, um, but photography. I don't. I don't know that that would have ever happened. And so they see like how all these things that could completely like weigh you down are actually like have the potential to become like great strengths for you. I love that that brought your family together, all of those things. Um, and you guys are able to be real with them. And it seems like that was maybe, I mean, that was the big reason that you guys were able to go on the big adventure that you guys went on. And I, I mean, I'll just tell them, I'll just tell the audience. Um, so you guys sold your house in Seattle and you traveled the world uh, with your kids for six months. Yeah. And we um, had like no money either. <laughs> we, I mean, it was like, it was crazy, but we did it. And the reason we did it is because we have this vision to have a family travel show that inspires families because that's another thing that is that is like really made us close as a family is that we share these adventures together and we do things where mom is like like I am afraid of heights I hate escalators um and so getting mom to rock climb and the kids getting to cheer mom on who is like always up front often the expert, but is now like shaking because she's so scared. Like that oh. 
like that kind of thing is so powerful to like have the kids get this opportunity to play a role for you and be something that you need versus like just the parents being the ones that are always like calling the shots. And, um, so we, yeah, so we had this idea that built kind of over two years, uh, we do this exercise as a family. It's a listening exercise where we set the timer for four minutes and we do it like three times a week and we are just quiet together and we listen and some people might like call it meditate, but we listen to see like what is our heart and our spirit telling us and is there something that we should be doing as a family or with our business or with their homeschool? Like, is there something that we're not hearing because life is so noisy? And in that uh, listening time, we started having this vision together as a family to go abroad and to film a family travel show. So (laughs) we... (laughs) Which sounds, it just sounds absolutely crazy in like the best way possible. (laughs) Totally. Well, what's so crazy is that we started like, really seen um, Egypt in a lot of that listening time. Well, Egypt was in the middle of a revolution. And so I was like, we can't be hearing the right thing. (laughs) Like, there's no way we should be like going to Egypt. But it kept coming up again and again. And we didn't like necessarily at the time have money to go to Egypt. Like we had enough money to maybe fly there, but not stay there, you know, and like, so it was just like, not something even practically we could do. But after like several months of it coming back up again and again, for us as a family, I was like, you know what, what if I just emailed Egypt? Like, I don't know. Like, what if I just emailed them? (laughs) Just email Egypt casual, (laughs) Egypt at gmail.com. So nuts. So I didn't know any email addresses for Egypt. So I just one night, I told the kids, I'm like, I'm going to email Egypt and I'm going to see if they want us to come because we keep like feeling like we're sensing this. So maybe they're like someone there is sensing it too. And we have no idea. (laughs) So I like literally Brandon sent out 40 emails and like almost every email address was something I like I made up. I was like info at Egypt tourism.com or brilliant. um, info at Egypt hotels or whatever I could like think of. And then I sent out a handful to like travel companies that do work in Egypt. And can you believe the next morning I had one reply out of all of the emails? One of them worked. (laughs) One of them landed and they were this travel company uh, that had started in Egypt and now they're based in London and their heart was just breaking for how the news was portraying Egypt in our country. And yeah. they were like, we would love to bring your family to Egypt for a month and just take you everywhere so that you could be a voice in the U.S. through your blog, through your filming that there is another side to this beautiful country. And like literally three weeks later, we were flying to Egypt. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so amazing. And that travel company has since then, that was like four years ago or five years ago, has become our partners. And so now they help us take a group to Italy that we were talking about earlier, but they've become great friends. But like we would have never have met if I didn't just go... What if I emailed Egypt? I yeah. don't know. I mean, 
it started with just four minutes of your family being like, hey, we're going to set the timer for four minutes. Everybody's got that. And then we can all like fake some email addresses. Like who knows what would happen if we all just freaking did that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so we, um, I think we caught such a fire for what this was and the potential it had as a family that, cause when you do something like that, you're, you're like the kids have to be on board. It, otherwise it can feel like mom and dad are taking advantage a little bit and just like, well, you just need to like have a good attitude. And obviously like we say that to them at times, like you need to change your attitude, <laughs> but like, but to like commit to like now doing a family travel show is like a huge deal. So we then, like a year later, decided again in that like listening time, we just kept seeing us packing our bags and just putting our suitcases on a car or whatever. And eventually we thought, you know what, let's just do this because, well, and here's the thing. This was the thing that like, I think sealed it for me because this was really, this family travel show was really Brian's vision because I just don't feel brave enough to even think up something like this. And I loved my garden and we had a home by the sea in Seattle. I mean, I just did not like, can't we just come back? Like, do we have to like sell it? You know, I just, I I don't know. I I think I really struggled with a a lot of the letting go. And uh, I remember Brian saying to me one day when we were together, he was really like sober. And he just said, Mira, he said, I just have to tell you that I know as a father and as a husband that I have modeled for my son what it means to support and hold up your wife. Because our whole business is like branding around my face and my name, but yet we do it together. But I'm really like the one on the spotlight a lot of the time. And so he just said, I just know, like I've taught Blaze how to do that. I've taught him how to like empower his wife someday to do what she's meant to do. But I have not modeled for him how to build his own dream and what it looks like to go after it. Oh, and wow. I, I just like heard that and I was like, okay, we need to do it. We need to go. And he's like, I want to be able to say someday to Blaze, you can do anything that you want to do and that you have a vision for. And remember how I modeled it for you. The ups, the downs, the sacrifice, the risk, the no guarantee, the reward. We walked it out as a family and you have what it takes because you know what it means to do it and you can do it. And he's like, if we don't do this, I don't feel like I can really say that to Blaze because I never showed him how to do it. And that was powerful. That that was Dang. like, Yeah. Okay, also so, we'll sell our home. Yeah, <laughs> and then I, and then I cry. <laughs> oh my gosh! So you you went to Egypt. What where else did you hit up on your six month family adventure? Yeah, we went to New Zealand uh, because the two networks that we were thinking of the show like actually airing on. And one of the reasons we felt like we had guts to go is because these networks were like like so sure that they were going to have our contract done any day and send us like the But money. there was like no promise. It was just kind of like, yeah, like we're going to, or like there's nothing in paper. It was just like, yeah, go ahead, go have an adventure and, and we'll probably buy it from you. Is, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> People listening are probably like, she is insane. Like, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> 
But here's the thing is that the two networks who had never worked before together um, could only agree on one country being in that show, and it was New Zealand. And New Zealand has the opposite weather calendar as us, right? And we knew that they were taking so long in their conversations that if we did not get on a plane and go to New Zealand soon, we were going to miss their good weather. And then we'd have to wait a whole nother year before we could go again. And I think Brian and I just felt like it's completely insane to do this without a contract in writing. But on the other hand, if we don't like step out and do this and just say that we believe in what we're doing and what this is about, whether you're with us or not, how can we ask anyone to invest in us? And so we bought one-way tickets to New Zealand <laughs> and we like and we were so we we were so sure the show was going to get picked up right away that we put the home on the market and everything in storage and we like thought we'd only buy one-way tickets because we're just going to keep going from country to country and filming and eventually we'll get our contract and you know it'll be done and it and it totally didn't happen that way. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> We actually like, so we went from New Zealand to Thailand. We ran out of money in Thailand and uh, because we thought for sure we were going to have, so we spent like three and a half weeks in New Zealand. We got to Thailand and we were just like in the jungle and like no money in the bank account. You're like, we're we homeless in the jungle savings. in Thailand with our kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I told the kids, I was like, so we can either look at this one of two ways. Like we either are stuck in a jungle, literally, <laughs> or, or like we just like the next door hasn't opened up to us. And and it's just a matter of time. But there's a reason we're still here for, you know, the time being. And so we ended up spending two months there and someone gave us their uh, home there for us to stay in. And so it was insane. Like we were given pretty much free lodging while we were in Thailand. So we did all the filming, but then we were there for another month. Just kind of like, we didn't have enough money to fly You're home. like, okay, we live here now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Blaze, go meet the kids. <laughs> They're your new neighbors. Um, so it was a really like powerful time because I just have to tell you that I, re I learned so many things through that two months. Uh, and I think Brian, most of all, because we had a cameraman with us that we were paying for. So we had what we needed to pay him all the time. But as far as getting the four of us to the next country, it was like a lot more expensive. And then all of a sudden we get this email from our friends in Dallas who knows a philanthropist that is from Israel and he wants to know, he's like a billionaire philanthropist, and he wants to know if we have time in our schedule to go to Israel and if we would film the work that he's a part of funding there, and then he'll pay us to stay long enough to film our show. And I was like, I think we can make time in our schedule for that. <laughs> you check your calendar, you're like, there's literally nothing on here. <laughs> literally. So we, that's how we ended up from going from Thailand to Israel. And then we spent a month there and we were done with the filming and we still didn't have enough to get back to the U.S. So we decided to email our friends in Italy because I'd always wanted to go to Italy. I'd never gone at this point yet. And I remember Blaze going, 
you know, when he heard that, Blaze was like, I have my whole life to see Italy. Can't we just go see Grammy and Papa? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, Blaze, we're going to Italy. Like, stop. Like, change. That was one of those moments. Change your attitude, (laughs) Blaze, you know. Um, But it's so cheap to fly to Europe from Israel, right? It's only like $200 a person or something. So we flew to Italy and... We experienced Italy, and I ended up doing a handful of photo shoots there, which paid for our tickets to fly back to the States. Perfect. And that's how we got back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we decided to um, just keep pushing the show forward because the networks still, like, were struggling uh, So to come to an agreement. So we just decided to keep pushing it forward. And... It's been like two years almost since we returned, and we may have it be premiering this fall. No way. That's news to me. That's amazing. I'm like, we're just like waiting to hear some final things on it, but when we do... I will definitely tell oh you gosh. so you can you, and follow you showed me like the uh I don't know what it is like a promo like a like a preview of like one of the episodes yes. and then a little bit of like cuts of some other episodes and I loved it. I was like this is so much fun. Oh, that is so awesome to hear. That means a lot. That was like such an adventure of doing that with your kids. Because you're not only like on camera, but you're also like partly filming. And then you're also just parents, right? And you're just like, I know that your dad said it eight times already, but he doesn't sound funny yet. (laughs) And everybody's like rolling their eyes and like, dad, can't you just like say this? Like, and that's what I love about like your kids are like helping produce it. Like your daughter like is running audio. Like it's a team effort (laughs) all around. Yeah. She is like, um, yeah, I, we really wanted a show that wasn't, just like, oh, dad's the expert. And like mom and kids just follow along behind him, <laughs> yeah. you know, because that's kind of what everyone sees all the time when they see anything close to this kind of show. Totally. But um, but that's not but who you are mean, at all. No, like what's it mean to do it together exactly. and hear everyone's unique perspective? Because um, I don't know about you, but like I grow up, I, like I was fortunate to grow up where we took often like a family vacation, maybe like to Hawaii, like every couple years or to Mexico. But it was always the same setup where my dad would go golfing all day long. And then my mom would take us kids to the pool. And even though we were like together, we were doing different things all day long. So I just always remember coming home and feeling like, gosh, we just didn't get a connect. Like I didn't, I didn't feel like my dad knew me anymore or I knew him any better. Like it just, you know, so what, like, so the show is like, what does it mean to share the adventure together and not just like go your separate ways and call it a family vacation or a family adventure, but just really like do things that bond you. Um, So yeah. This makes me so excited. Like, I love that this is moving forward and I freaking love (laughs) that you guys did this. And okay. So it sounds to me like, you stayed really positive through like a really crazy situation. Like what's your secret? And also like, maybe you like, maybe you didn't like what break that down for me. What's the experience of like kind of not knowing what's happening, what's going next. Like 
that's something that's kind of a crazy feeling. And like, what's like, how do you have an outlook on that? I think that one of like the biggest things was just to always be like free to like share how we were feeling. Um, as stuff came up because there were total days where I was just bawling and just stressed and frustrated and, you know, second guessing myself, like, am, like I'm not in my twenties anymore. I'm in my forties. Like, I mean, like I'm not a backpacker that's 23, right? I have kids and responsibilities. And like, did I just completely screw up their life? And like just in being in this house in a jungle and being stuck here and, and just really like, having to like be open about that kind of stuff with Brian as it came up for both of us, because we really did step into the unknown with no guarantee of like what that would look like. And so, um, I don't know. I think that Brian and I like often joke and say that the reason we like laugh so much together is because we've like allowed each other to cry as much, you know, and, and that as deep as that pain goes, the joy can go that much deeper. It's beautiful. Um, but it's definitely been messy. Like it's, it was never this clear cut path. I mean, when we showed up in New Zealand, we had no reservations for anywhere. We like didn't know where we were going. And just so you know, like I am such a type A personality. So this is like not how I roll. Um, but for me to like learn that I can do things that make me uncomfortable and, and I, and I'm still breathing. Like I'm still like, I haven't died. I'm like, I'm okay. You know? Uh, but, but it was super, it was super challenging on all of our like levels of confidence and self-worth and responsible as a parent, all of that stuff, for sure. I feel like opportunities always come to you in the most serendipitous ways. You know, you guys emailing 40 different email addresses and somebody reaches back. Like you told me a hilarious story of like you guys randomly meeting a like somebody who works for a network at an airport um, like What is, like, why do you think the opportunities come to you in these serendipitous ways? Yeah, like, I just, it's so bizarre. Like, you're right. Like, we we met Disney, an executive from Disney, in the airport in Tennessee. And that was how we ended up on the Disney Junior Channel. Like, that, how random is that? Like, we've never had a manager. We've never, like, had an agent. We've never done things the way, like, you know how there's all these hoops you're supposed to jump through? And it's like, oh, well, if you want a TV show, you have to do this and this and this and check it off one by one. And all of that just is so overwhelming to me that it's enough to just make me go, well, why even bother trying? Um, And so I don't know. I feel like one of the things that Brian and I have really tried to cultivate in our life is just like being present in the moment. Um, And so like he and I on a real practical level, like people like think that we're just like super bohemian spontaneous over here. Do we even work? Like, You know what I mean? It's like people have this funny, I think, image of us sometimes of what our daily life is like. But um, we meet every morning almost and we go over our to-do list together and we prioritize what is going to make us revenue the fastest and that should be handled first. And then like we prioritize everything else after that. And um And in doing that to-do list, it's an exercise, I think, for us to stay present 
in the moment because I don't know about you, but I have so often been afraid of all the what ifs. Like if, if we really follow this dream or if we really try to like go after this vision we have, what if this happens and what if this happens and what if that happens? And I don't want to deal with any of that. And so I actually like end up putting all of that fear and doubt into my future. And my future then becomes so intimidating that I don't even want to go anywhere near it. And yet every single time we have gotten to those places that I've been afraid to get to, none of those fears and doubts were ever there waiting. <laughs> like they were, it was like almost irrelevant, like by the time we actually got there. And so I like, it's just kind of inspired me over and over again to just how can I be present? Like, what can I get done today on my to-do list? What can I like check off? What can I push forward? Um, you know, and, and, and doing all those things so that I do not entertain fear and doubt on the horizon. That's just saying I'm foolish or even thinking of like that being possible for us and our family. Does that make sense? Totally. And because your mind is like clear of all those things, it opens up I mean, first of all, it opens up your frame of view. You're allowed to look around and see the opportunities that are right in front of you rather than kind of like joining the rat race of being like, I've got to do all this stuff. I've got to do all this stuff. You get to kind of pay a little bit more attention to keep your head above water. But then you, you also get to, you're moving forward every step of the way. Like you're putting in the work, you're not quitting and you're not like just waiting for opportunities to come. Like you're putting in the work during the whole process so that when opportunities come, you're continuing to work. Yes, for sure. And I'm like constantly pitching, you know, like ideas and putting it out there. And I, and I never just want to pitch one idea. I want to pitch it to like a, a half a dozen different companies, maybe because I just want to feel like I'm putting out there what I can. And I'm not like rely, relying on just one response to come back. Totally. You yeah. Know? You got to shoot out 40 emails before one person in Egypt decides to fly you out. Right, right. Like I've actually like I've actually started to count like how many rejections do I get before I typically get a yes, right? I yeah. started thinking I started thinking about this, you know, a few months ago and I was like, gosh, like on an average, I get about 9 rejections um on like sometimes I get like 12, 13, 14 rejections before I actually like get a yes. And so I started testing this theory and I was like, I wonder if I like just walked up to a stranger and said, "Can I take your photo or can I ask you a really like bizarre personal question?" And if they say no, does that count as one of those rejections? Yeah. <laughs> like, and I do think that it's funny, you know, but I do think that the challenge is constantly to put ourselves out there, Man, to put ourselves out totally. there again and again, you know? And so, yeah. I love that. Let me tell you a story. I, I, cause I totally yeah. agree. I think that rejection is actually like a really, really valuable thing because it means that you're putting yourself out there. I was in Hong Kong about a year and a half ago and I showed up and I didn't know anybody. I was just like, I'm going to have a fun time in Hong Kong. I just sent a photo shoot in the <laughs> Philippines and I was like, I've got a few free weeks. I'll go to Hong Kong for a while. And so I like board my sketchy airline that has like a terribly low safety rating. I arrive and um, day one, I'm like, okay, what should I do? Maybe I'll try to do a portrait series. And so I show up in the, it's essentially the subway um, okay. of Hong Kong and all the different subway stations have these beautiful different colored tiles. And so one subway station is all pink and one is all purple and one is all blue. 
and it was Valentine's Day. And I was like, I'm going to walk up to people who are wearing the same color outfit as the subway station is. And I'm going to ask them if I'll, if they'll let me take their photo. And, uh, and then I'll like get to know them and I'll, I'll do some sort of Valentine's day series around this. And, okay. and I, I counted, I walked up to 100 people and only three people said yes. And all three of those people after I took their photo, they would not talk to me. And, wow. and part of it is just that I have really stupid hair and I think I would scare <laughs> anybody. But the other thing is, uh, I, I don't know. Like it just wasn't a good context. You know, like nobody wanted to like, you know, I hadn't thought through it all the way. Nobody wants to like stop and like right. miss their train and have somebody take photos. Like <laughs> I get it now, but I was so ambitious, but I walked out of there. I wasn't bummed at all. I was like, I just talked to a hundred people. I tried to talk to a hundred people. I only speak English, not like Cantonese, but uh, it right. was, it, I didn't feel bummed. Like I came out and I felt, I was glad that I did it. And I, you know, I still got three people that I got to, uh, have an interaction with that was a little bit deeper and it actually just gave me confidence for the rest of my trip to uh to talk to people on the streets and to get to know new friends by the end of the trip like i was like meeting up with all these different people in hong kong so it kind of even though you know i had a less than three percent success rate <laughs> uh, it, it kind of built itself <laughs> into something new down the road yeah no, I think that rejection is really like a powerful thing to let yourself like actually set yourself up for in healthy ways. Cause I think a lot of us are just like hedging ourselves all the time because we're trying to avoid it. So what if we like just embraced it and like, you know, set up something like that? So you kind of get this muscle memory of what it's like and that you can you can live through it. You can be fine on the other side of it. And um, you know, it's also it's like so interesting. I've like sometimes like when I've thought, oh, we totally are going to get this booking or we're going to get this shoot or I'm totally going to do this keynote at this conference. And then for whatever reason or not, it doesn't like work out. I've just, you know, it's so easy after you put so much work and talking back and forth to like be so deflated and bummed and upset when it doesn't happen. But I've written those dates down before. Like I've just gone into my calendar and I've put the date down on my calendar of when I was going to do that event or that shoot or whatever. And I have to tell you, it, it is mind blowing what I actually end up doing those dates that if I didn't put it on the calendar, I never would have remembered. Because you had such you know a, a better, different opportunity that came your way. Yes. Yes. Like I was supposed to do this wedding for a major like celebrity bride in California, I remember. And we had several meetings with the event planner. This is when Brian and I were still shooting high-end weddings um, a number of years ago. And everything, like all the stars were lining up to do this, but we were actually moving our business and our whole mission towards empowering uh, women and moms specifically with cameras and, and just empowering that confidence in them. So we were starting to move away from it, but oh my gosh, this was like an incredible opportunity. Well, for whatever reason, at the last minute, I did not get that wedding. I didn't book it. And it was so like confusing to me. Like it just didn't make any sense. And so I ended up writing it, her wedding date on my calendar. And I just thought, I'm just curious to see what I actually end up doing 
on this like weekend, this week of when I would have been shooting her whole like four days leading up to her wedding. And can you believe that was the week that Nate Burkus was launching his show on NBC? He's Oprah's interior designer. And his team asked me to be a part of that first week as his go-to photo expert. That's nuts. And flew me to New York. And I ended up like doing his show for the next two years. And it was the same week that it started that it had it like I had to be available or the opportunity was gone. And I was like, oh my gosh, like how often, you know, in just our limited view, do we feel like we've been forgotten or, you know, all of our desire is just been in vain or for nothing. And yet there are things unfolding and already coming into place in the future for us. We just need to like hang on and like get ourselves there. Right. That is beautiful and brilliant. I <laughs> I love that. I'm going to start putting all my failures on my calendar uh, so I can yeah. see what happens. Um, okay, so we're at the point in the show where I have a few questions that I love to ask every single person. Um, okay. And so the first one that I have for you is, how would you describe the kind of person that you most admire in the world? Okay, I think I think I know. Like, this is just what comes to the top of, you know, the top of my That's brain. Perfect. Or, wait a minute. Is that how you say that phrase? Top of See, I grew up with a Korean dad who like changed all those phrases because <laughs> of his broken English. So I'm always like saying those phrases wrong. It's like, close enough. You know? That's all that matters. <laughs> like piece of pie instead of piece of cake. <laughs> um, so, okay. I think it is what comes to my mind is definitely discipline. Uh, just a complete uh, commitment to not give up. And someone who's open, who, despite what they've gone through, is open to people and open to opportunity and and just is willing to, like, live in the unknown and create from that space. Yeah, they're not shutting down. They're not dwelling on the yeah. past. They're focusing on what can come out of their story. Yeah, like, there's, there's women I think of that in my life that, like, exhibit that, and I feel like I've... Like, that's what's inspired me to do even, you know, the things that I have done, for sure. That's incredible. I, I love that. Um, my second question is, what are you consuming right now that you love? Uh, okay, I'll tell you something I am consuming right now. Brian and I both are. It's, it might make you laugh, but I, I love it. I love that show, Madam Secretary. Do you ever watch it? I have not it? seen it yet. Oh, my gosh. I love that show because she is so good at being um, so feminine in how she negotiates and deals with conflict and deals with being kind of pushed around or bullied, but then still like as concise and clear and confident and gets things done. And I like love it. I love watching her character Boom. in that show. You, so you just that- sold me on it. I'm going to go like find that right now. That's so good. <laughs> it's awesome. That's cool. But then she then she has these moments where she completely freaks out and she's like, "Are we ruining our kids' life? And am I not en- available enough as a mom?" And Brian looks at me and he's like, "That's why you love the show because <laughs> that's totally you." That's <laughs> that's the best though when you find a show where you're like, "This is totally me." You know, Sammy and I have these close friends and they uh, they love the show How I Met Your Mother because they're like, we are exactly that couple. Like, that is so us. <laughs> and they're like, we're never going to have a show that feels so much like they're just like making it off of our lives. And 
Right. That's, I love that that's, <laughs> but like, I think that says something about you that like the main character in Madam Secretary is, is you. You're like, that's some confidence <laughs> if I've ever heard it before. That's hilarious. That's probably like what I'm saying that I don't mean to like realize that I'm saying, but I totally, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> You're so funny. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh buddy. <laughs> okay. What's your my, next question? My last question is based on the ways that you've chosen to step out and live differently with like you and your family and just the ways you've dealt with your story. What's one thing that you'd encourage someone else to do in their own life? Like today. Okay, I don't even have to think about that. Uh, Because I think the most difficult, yet most important and courageous thing that you can ever do is to embrace your pain and look at it and hold it and let it be a part of you and let that pain sing your most beautiful song. Like, in who you are and how it's changed you and shaped you and how it makes you stronger than you ever would have been without it. I think a lot of people, we spend a lot of energy on trying to run away from pain or trying to hide it. And I think that just like photography has shown me, you cannot see the light without the shadows bringing definition to it. You need shadows to define where the light falls. And that that would be it to find a way to embrace your pain and to be proud of how the shadows define how beautiful and bright you really are. Let your pain sing your most beautiful song. I absolutely love that. That's beautiful, Mira. If people want to find you, if they want to follow along with your story, where can they do that? Yeah. Yeah. I would love it. They can First of all, my website is just miraco.com, but I've been doing a live Q&A on my Facebook page. Oh my gosh, I've been following along. It's so fun. (laughs) Did you see? Last week was like 25,000 people like joined in and it was so like people just asking whatever question they want about photography, about building your dream. I would love it if they would come and like my page and like join in on those like Q and A's. That would be such an honor so for fun. me. So that'd be great. That's perfect. Well, Mira, it has been so fun to talk with you, you and your family and the way that you are living out your story in your life is it's, you've been super inspiring to me. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Brandon. It's it's an honor. I'm really excited to be here. So thank you. Well, I will uh, I will talk to you soon. I have no doubt. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here today. I'll see you later. Okay. All right. Bye. Sounds good. Brandon Harvey is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and is created in collaboration between me, Brandon Harvey, and Gradient. Find them on Facebook and Twitter at gradient.is. That's gradient, D-O-T-I-S. You can follow along with my adventures on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and Facebook. My name is simply Brandon Harvey. That's Brandon with an E-N at the end. If you go to my website, brandonharvey.com, you can sign up for my weekly good newsletter, where I highlight five of the most hopeful things happening all around the world. Make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review on iTunes. And one last thing. On the intro episode of Sounds Good, I asked you guys if you could take some time to encourage the amazing guests who were going to be on the show. 
and you've absolutely blown me away. I see your tweets, your Instagrams, your emails. Goodness gracious, you guys have been so amazing at making everybody who comes on the show feel so welcome. Keep it up, and thank you so much. And with that said, that's it for this week's podcast. I'll see you next week when we get the opportunity to learn from another incredible person. Sound good?